Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Hey, welcome back. Hey, Julie, get on chat. So listen, guys, we have a fun show for you today. This is a topic that um, we always, I think we've presented this on the show maybe once, maybe maybe twice, a couple years ago. We always update the points because it's fun for us to talk about this. But I have to say, as I was reading the title of today's podcast, it, it, it's the irony does not escape me. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, look, I'm going to be 49 in March, and a lot of you are my age, plus or minus. And the topic of today's show is what every old realtor wishes they'd done differently. And when we originally came up with that concept, that title concept, you know, maybe it wasn't so relevant, but now it certainly does, it is relevant. <laughs> so what we've done with these points, and we update all of our points every time we present them on the show to you guys, is we are taking, in essence, what we have learned personally in life, right, but also professionally from all the coaching calls, and we are doing our best to essentially – share that information with you guys as fluff-free as practically as possible. So here's a conversation I just had with somebody today, um, Master Bynes, who Julie knows, who is a great uh, premier coaching client, who I happen to know listens to our show every day. He's in South Carolina. So he's 47, and I'm having this conversation with him. He needed, you know, he wanted some guidance on choosing a broker, and we talked about his situation now. He was with ERA, and he had a 70-30 split, and, you know, all these expenses and fees and 6% off the tops. And he's not selling a ton of houses, but he's paying his bills. He's making a living. He's trying to save a little bit of money. So he wanted some practical, tactical advice. And, and here's the thing. At 47, you better be really focused on net income and investing that money because I can tell you from coaching people at 57 and then certainly at 67, and we've had some people actually in their 80s as coaching clients, believe it or not, your mindset about earning money and your ability to earn money, it does change. Now, you can argue, and I certainly do, and Julie does as well, until you're blue in the face, that you can always earn a lot of money no matter how old you are, and it is true. And matter of fact, this might make some of you feel good, might make some of you feel bad, but here's the reality. Most people don't earn the, their, their peak incomes until they're in their mid-50s because it takes that long to get good at anything. You know, it's that old Matthew McConaughey, you know, the actor Matthew McConaughey, that quote. He says, um, be careful what you choose to be good at because – or no, it takes, real good, it takes a long time to get good at anything, so be careful what you choose. I think that's actually a really good you know, practical way of thinking about it, and that's the truth. If, you know, real estate is not necessarily – something that any of you were born to do, uh, amassing any kind of net income, let alone uh, building wealth from the profits you have from your real estate business. That's not really innate in anybody. You have to learn all these things. So for most of you, it does take that long to get really good at anything. Now, do, do you, would you have had to have been in real estate for decades and decades to learn from, you know, a, basically to, master, to max out the amount of earning potential you have, hypothetically, that would be in the mid-50s, if that statement didn't make any sense. I think you guys, you know, bear with me here. The answer is no. If you've had a lot of practical experiences in other incarnations of you and other jobs and other career paths, and you bring that practical, tactical knowledge to real estate, and then you pay attention to the simple fact that the energies that you have and the you know, momentum you have and the way society treats you and all that stuff, it does change the older you get. And the opportunities, the older you get, 
it's not just that you physically and physiologically aren't as you know don't have as much spring in your step as you used to, and those things are true. It's that also when you're competing with younger people, younger people who have their acts together, then you're going to have to work twice as hard in order to get the listing because people are going to just assume that you're not going to be as energetic. If you guys understand what I'm saying. I'm not making these things up. I've I've noticed it. You know, societally, as you get older, people definitely treat you differently. So my advice to him, and my advice to all of you listening, and we're going to flip over to the topic here in a section, a second, is that you have got to be focused on. It doesn't really matter if you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s. Your product and your business, and remember I told you this, and this is going to come up again when we start getting to these points, is profit. So when Julie and I are standing in front of you guys as a group, um, you know, we're going up to the amazing brokerage, Douglas Elliman, here in a couple of weeks. We were out in Hawaii talking to the equally amazing Elite Pacific, and we're talking to different brokerages and agents every single day. The fact is, is when we ask agents, especially those who don't listen to the podcast religiously like many of you do, what your product is, they always say the right thing, but it's not really the right thing. They'll say, my product is happy customers, my, happy, my product is houses, my product is – they come up with all these sort of touchy-feely terms, but the reality of it is – it's the product of your business, and you guys have to remember what I'm telling you because it will allow you, once you accept this, to cut through so much bullshit. The product of your business has to be profit. It has to be. All those other things are required for you to make profit, happy customers and all these other, like I said, the touchy-feely things that people like to say is their, you know, their product. They, but when I ask you, fellow entrepreneur, fellow business owner, when I ask you what your product is and you're selling real estate, your answer has to be profit because if you don't have that as your product, you won't have that as your result. You will actually make less money, if no net income at all, if you don't have profit as your main uh, driver. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't feel like some of you who are in con- uh, conflict with what I'm saying. It's because you're not thinking it through. You're thinking maybe I'm even trying to be political or maybe the topic of money is a little taboo in your world. I get all that, but here's really what matters. You only live once and you're dead a real long time. You only have so many useful years. Unfortunately, that is true. So while you're in that mode, you might as well make as much profit as you can so you can take better care of yourself and your family and the other people in your life that you choose to take care of. But you can't do it if you don't have any profit. So being uh, when you make a lot of profit, when you're making lots and lots of profit, which we teach you guys to do, we, we want all of you to be making 50, 60, 70% profit margins in your real estate practices. That is reason number one we want you to become a listing agent because you can actually make those kinds of margins. When you're making that kind of profit, what that is is a result of you doing a really great job for customers. If you have lots of profit at the end of the year and you have saved a lot of money, and you've spoiled your family, your loved ones, donated to where you want to donate, you've lived this wonderful life, a dream life for yourself, you've done that because of the fact that you've helped other people essentially accomplish their goals. And I mean that literally. There's no, oh my gosh, is that some sort of spiritual point? Nope. I mean, literally, you sold a house. You helped at least, how many people are involved in that transaction? Not just the buyer and the seller, not just their families, but that in itself is enough, right? You've helped all those people. Now think about all the ancillary service providers. You've helped all those people too. So the more, in your case, real estate you sell, the more people you help, the more opportunity at profit you'll have, and the better, richer, fuller, more amazing life you'll have earned. Hopefully that makes sense. When I put all those pieces together, what I just said to you guys, it did not come in eight, it did not come into it, it did not come easily. It came after a billion coaching calls. 
And it came with just my sincere desire to try to help my coaching clients kind of see through their own haze with regards to their preconceived notions about profit. And once I got them there, once I got them to realize that the culture in their team and their brokerage, that's all fine and dandy. Once they got past the, you know, all their community involvement, once they got past all that touchy-feely stuff that is really just there to sort of signal a set of virtues that they have, I'm not judging. I'm just saying that's what it is. And once they gave themselves permission to, to value their ability, essentially value their, um, their, their quality as a, a business owner based on profit, when they all of a sudden had that as their litmus test, their lives changed. Because then when somebody calls you up and they're trying to sell you leads, you're going to say, does this move me further or closer away to, uh, to my goal of, of profit? Because what most everything is sold to you guys as isn't with the idea that you're going to make profit, but it's going to be sold to you as the idea that you're going to sell more houses. There is not a direct correlation between selling more houses and making more profit. I have had many coaching clients that have significantly better profit, literally make more money in their pockets and save more money uh, selling 25 to 30 houses than we have sometimes people that are selling 100 to 200 houses. Same market, same price range. Because the person doing the big volume, even though the industry celebrates it, is uh, doing it usually at the cost of their profit. They're spending all their money. Are you, you all listening? Does this make sense to you? So when we go through these points, what every old realtor wishes they know, they'd done differently, that is our – what I just shared with you guys is where Julie and I always go back to when we're trying to communicate the importance of you taking your bottom line profit, net profit seriously because it's with that that you'll finally have freedom. So, Julie, do you have anything, emails and whatnot you'd like to yes. share? I do, actually, from a great agent. I believe she's in Michigan. Debbie is her name, and this is an email that we got just a few days ago. So let me read this, and then we'll talk about it. Debbie writes, I called in on a, on a great premier coaching call today. She's one of our premier coaching clients. I don't always call in, but I was glad that I did. I'm still trying to get a grip on my spokes and want to make sure that I'm not continuing to fall back on old habits. I have a hefty goal for 2019, and I'm off to a bit of a slow start. That said, Julie spoke about supplemental spokes, such as accountants and divorce, family law, and real estate attorneys. That was on that call. I really like this idea. And believe, as I look back on my notes, that the outline would be to call and introduce myself and then follow up with a mailing. I'm not sure what would be most beneficial in the mailing beyond a cover letter highlighting my experience. I'd like to dig into this option. Debbie goes on to write, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, my current spokes are past clients, center of influence, expireds for sale by owners, and I am planning on digging into NODs as we have discussed in our recent calls. I found out that in my county, the NODs are published in the county legal news for four consecutive weeks. Lots of homework here. My question is in regards to my spokes and how I should be working on them. I set aside two to two and a half hours, Monday through Friday, to do my lead generating activities, always spending half the time reaching out to past clients via the phone or writing a personal note. Do you think that I should spend more time concentrating in other areas? Should I skip the small stuff with my past clients and reach out to them in a more productive way than most, that most benefits them, giving them something of value rather than the quick check-ins? I know lengthy and too many questions. I want to make sure I make the best use of my time this year. I've spent too, many too much time spinning in the same circle. Thanks for reading. I look forward to your input. Um, so, I'll, I'll go yeah. through that, Julie. First of all, there are there's a system that I think it's on our website, Julie. It's the one that uh, Jim Sullivan owns part of. But got, there yeah. is a system that basically goes all through the all the um, yep. yeah. What's it called, Julie? All the leads. All the leads. Yeah, go to alltheleads.com and they do all that search, uh, all that searching for you. You mentioned having to go to the courthouse and all that Mickey Mouse. They do it for you. 
Um, next point. It, and by the way, I think we do. If you go to Harris Learning and you click on alltheleads.com, they're one of our partners, and I think they give you a discount, I think a 30-day discount or something like that, so you can just check it out. So go through Harris Learning and, and um, use that discount code that uh, we give you on the website. I know for a fact it's there because I talked to Jim Sullivan last week. Number two, um, here's the thing I would be concerned about with your spokes. You've got too many, and you cannot go from one spoke to the next without mastering the first. Your spokes should be in this order. Centers of influence and past clients first because, frankly, it's the easiest thing for most of you to do to generate business, the least resistance overall. And I'm not going to talk about all the nuances of it. There are gobs and gobs of information on Harris Learning. Number two, after that, in this market, depending on your market, but I would definitely be going after expireds. Uh, expireds in most of the country are going to be the absolute cash cow. Now, a year, 18 months from now, probably a lot of other agents will have woken up to the opportunity, but for now, if those of you listening to us, expireds are absolutely where it's going to be. And again, in 99% of the country, those are going to be the huge home run. If you don't believe me, go to your MLS, put in expired listings in the entire MLS. Don't just be you know, setting yourself up to get partial information in the entire MLS and then uh, look to see how many are there were in like the past six months. And then if you really want to have some fun, look to see how many of those got relisted, and you'll find out that 90% of all, re, uh, all uh, expires relist within, I think it's 12 months. So in essence, an expired is an absolute listing that's going to absolutely happen, and you absolutely need to get that listing. Um, so those would be the, that would be the order in which I would do things. The problem with the way you're thinking about it, and maybe you were just overstating it, maybe you're not thinking about it at all incorrectly. I'm just you know, speaking to a broader audience. But generally speaking, the, the problem with having a, too many incomes, I'm sorry, lead gen spokes, is that you never get good at one. You just go from one to the other to the other. It's what Julie says when she says, focus, follow one course until successful. Okay? So, I mean, Julie, do you think we answered her question sufficiently? I, I think so. And, it, you know, we want you to have multiple spokes, but organized spokes and the right spokes that are working for you. So come to the Premier Coaching Call. We'll talk about it more. Uh, which is what that call is for, for uh, coaching clients like her as well as all of our other ones. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it gets down to always leading with the people who are most likely to convert the quickest. In other words, people who have clearly shown that they have a house to sell now. That's probate, expired, for sale by owners. And then have in the background things going on for your past clients and your center of influence. And when you're working all of those at a high level and very consistently, one thing she said that I really like is that she on purpose sets aside two to two and a half hours every single day, work days, for lead generation. I wonder how yep. many of our podcast listeners are that disciplined. It makes a huge deal, that consistency. You know, we used a story uh, sometime last week about the explorers going to the South Pole. And there were two competing explorers. One of them said, no matter what, every day, we're going to walk 20 miles. Rain, sleet, snow, doesn't matter. We're walking 20 miles. And if it's a nice day, maybe we could go further, but we're just going to go 20 miles. If it's a blizzard, we're still walking 20 miles. And the other explorer tried to plan it out and walked kind of like when it was good weather and they felt right and everything was going well. And on good days, they go a lot further, but there were a lot of other days where they just didn't, for whatever reason, they were not going to do the, um, the march through the snow to get to the South Pole. Well, who do you think won? It was the guy that was consistent, even though on some days he could have gone on further, other days he totally didn't feel like it. It's about doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at a high level, but also doing it repetitively, consistently, 
on purpose like what Debbie does. So I really like that she's doing that. We'll talk more. I'll, I'll talk more with her personally about, you know, how to split up that time. But um, yeah, I think she's going to have a killer year. By the way, for those of you, example. for those of you who are not in Premier Coaching, uh, who are not in one of our coaching programs. The quickest and easiest way for you to learn about the programs is request a coaching call with one of our new member coaches. Just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. It's plural, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And when you do, we give you seven free books, uh, Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate, Real Estate Treasure Map, your 12-monthly generation plan, a lot of great books you just get for free just by requesting a free coaching call. So go and do that. That is your homework from today's show. All right, Julie, let's get to some of these points. Yes, you got it. Just wanted to make sure I wasn't muted. Okay, perfect. So we're talking about what every old realtor wishes they'd done differently, which that title by itself kind of cracks me up because what constitutes an old realtor? I mean, you could argue that anybody who's made it past the first 18 months and hasn't washed out, but really, you know, this is based more on our grizzled veterans and lots of different events we've done and panels and interviews and all those kinds of things. So what do they wish they would have done differently if they had it to do over again? Number one, that the fastest path is not to reinvent the wheel. It's to follow in the path of others who have already won. This is a, a major stumbling block with some coaching clients that though they want to absorb the point, and it's almost always about lead generation or lead follow-up or time management, they get it, but they believe that they have to make it better. They've got to make it their way. They've got to go research it. They've got to get some, you know, go pull their friends on Facebook before they will actually implement but the grizzled veterans will tell you, don't bother with that stuff. Just do what has been proven to work. Point number two, that they should have, quote, kept their powder dry and invested in more earlier during the times of greatest opportunity. We hear this time and time again, particularly people looking back on the recession when prices were a little bit lower and there was more opportunity, that they, were, they needed to be prepared to pounce. Anything you want to add to that, Tim, the, the thought of keeping your powder dry, as they say? Uh, so, so I have a question for all of you. It's kind of relating to both those points. Why do you think that you have – this is like a snotty question, but just bear with me. Why do you think that you can put together your own um, business plan for your own real estate practice? Why would you bother even trying, honestly? Why? Why would you bother if your goal is to help people sell houses, make money, get there as fast as possible? There's no logical reason for it. I'll tell you the reason that I've concluded and Jules and I have concluded after gazillions of coaching calls is that it's a creative avoidance. It's a way to avoid actually doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. That's the only answer we've ever come up with that makes any sense. Because you know intuitively that if you want to go from here to there, there's no sense in not using a map, let alone you know a map that's proven to work time and time again, no matter what market you're in, no matter what price ranges you're in. And yet, some of you will take a little bit of Tim and Julie, you'll take a little bit of Tom Ferry, you'll take a little bit of Brian Buffini, you'll take a little bit of the, but, 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 and you'll kind of weave it together. And then when it doesn't work, when you fail to accomplish your goals, what you do is then say, well, it's just because I didn't get my mixture right. And then you go back and you add a little more of this, a little more of that, a little da, 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 and then you keep on doing it, and that is your real estate career. And you end up, the only deals you end up doing really the ones that you would have done anyway that just sort of come to you from centers of influence and past clients, and maybe you meet somebody at an open house. But all the while, you're working on your master plan. Why do you do that? It doesn't make any sense, does it? I mean, if your goal no. is to make profit from your real estate business, which is the only reason that you should be in real estate, 
just to make profit. And with that profit, you reinvest and you become rich. Rich is where your money works for you. You no longer have to work for your money. Get it to the point where you're making you know, five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 a month from passive income, and many of you will be by definition rich because you'll have your overheads covered. Makes sense? That's the whole Tim and Julie system right there. Obviously, it's not, but you get the gist of it. Why do you confuse yourself with that? And Julie, remind me what the second point was again. I'm walking around. Um, that they should have kept their powder dry and invested in more earlier during times of greatest opportunity. Yeah, and there it is, same thing. I mean, that's basically the same point. And are we coming up in one of those investment opportunity times now? Yes. But I'll say, I'll tell you some other things I've seen. I've seen some really great investment opportunities for, um, I mean, there's going to be some that are going to come up for rental properties, obviously, some different brokerage models, which are very interesting. There's some things that are going to be arising over the next, like now, that you need to be aware of, again, with the idea that one day you'll be rich where your money works for you, you no longer have to work for your money. Rich isn't necessarily private jets and Bentleys and, you know, having an army full of house staff and crystal, you know, for the dog bowl. I'm not suggesting that sort of ridiculousness. What I'm saying is, if you had enough money coming in passively every single month that you no longer had to worry about paying the electric bill, the food bill, the college tuition, the, 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 and the money you made from selling houses became the things that you, the money that you used for having fun, enjoying life, going on vacation, spoiling your friends and family, you know, paying off debt. Doesn't that sort of reshuffle the deck in such a profound way that I mean, it really does change your life? Think about that. Next point, Julie. Yes. Again, things that grizzled veterans would do differently. Point number three, that they should have forced themselves to do what they didn't want to do when they didn't want to do it, and that they should have learned how to do it at a high level earlier. When you guys kind of piddle around with maybe thinking about implementing some different spokes and all that kind of thing, we call you dabblers. You like to try things out. Trying it out and doing it now and then, taking a whack at it, seeing how it goes, these are all phrases you guys use, is not the same as doing it at a very high level. Here's the rub. In order to get to that high level, you have to do more of it faster earlier on and be okay making mistakes. And it's funny because all of you can relate to this with regards to buyers, right? So there was a point in your career that you didn't know how to work an electronic lockbox. You didn't really know how to search properly in the MLS and find the right houses to show them. You didn't really know what feedback was, and you didn't really know how to write a decent contract that would get accepted. But because most of you get good at buyers faster than you get good at listings, you get a little bit more experience, a little bit more experience, and now you're like, yep, I know how to set up five houses, all of which are right for them. They're going to choose one. I know how to write the contract. I know how to compete. I'm going to get it done. Not all of you are at that level, but the more you do it, I use buyers as an example because most of you have more buyer experience. You can all relate to the difference between you writing a buyer contract now versus you the first time you were showing property. Totally different. You're learning how to do it at a high level, but you're getting there because you're getting experience along the way. And that's something that, you know, it's hard coaching-wise to stuff experience into you. And that's why we have podcasts like this. We're using grizzled veterans saying, you know what? If I were to do it over again, I'd get over all that. I get really good at being a kick-ass listing agent a lot faster. I get better at my scripts. I'd have my pre-listing package together faster. And I'd stop screwing around dabbling and trying things out and using phrases that get me out of accountability like, I'll try it and we'll see how it goes. That was kind of a rant. Sorry about that. All right. That was good. <clears throat> well, you know, they can relate to buyers. Not everybody can relate to the rest of it. So next point, number four. Hey, <laughs> it, it, that was that was a that, that was a that was a level seven on the rant scale, 
right? Well, I know, but you're the rant expert. I I take that as a compliment. I appreciate it. Yes, it was. Okay, point number four, that they should have paid themselves instead of – paid themselves first instead of last, instead of when there's something left. Some of you guys listening, your savings plan is that you save whatever's left when you get to the end of the quarter or the year or the month. Warren Buffett said, do not save what is left after spending, but spend what is left after saving. That's a quote to put on your whiteboards, right? Do not save what is left after spending, but spend what is left after saving. Pay yourself first. I've never seen anybody save real money that didn't do it that way, that used the, well, when I double dip my biggest listing I've ever had in my career, I'll just save all that money plan. Well, that's not a plan. That's not predictable. Some of you think that. Point number five, grizzled veterans realize that everything takes at least five times as long as they wanted or thought that it would take. That's so true that it will take longer, but you've got to accept that fact. It's, it's going to be shorter if you start today, and it's going to be a lot longer if you keep procrastinating, getting ready to get started to someday feel like possibly taking action after you've asked all your friends if it's okay. It's going to take longer, but that's all right. That's normal. Point number six, and then we'll do the rest tomorrow because we're running out of time, that they should have created multiple sources of income as early as possible. When the market changes and you don't know what hit you, it's probably because you're a one-spoke wonder. It's probably because you are dependent on repeat and referral business and your center of influence. It's almost always the case, although coming out of the last recession, REO agents felt this, that they became overly dependent on just their REO or just their short sale spoke. So it can happen in lots of different examples. Tim, you have an example of a coaching client that only got business from over-the-phone prospecting, and then she got mono, and that spoke was gone, or whatever it was, bronchitis, something horrible. Laryngitis, but she lost her voice. <clears throat> Laryngitis. Yeah. Well, I mean that, yeah. But, but, but as you get older, remember the topic here is what every old realtor, you know, and I like how you tried to give us a hall pass, by the way, and say oh, the word old isn't related to age, it's related to experience. But look, it's related to age. Right. You know, it just is. So the, uh, what Julie's talking about is really critically important. And, it, again, it goes back to a conversation. I had this, Julie was in the car. I was talking to this wonderful gal named Renee. I won't mention her last name. And she's a, you know, her groups, her and one assistant sells literally over 200 houses per year. And she's been successful at that level for a long time. She's by far the most dominant agent in her market. And I was asking, I was just talking with her, and she sells in, you know, a normal part of the Midwest and doesn't have the ridiculous high sale price, you know, like 99% of you listening to us. And I was talking to her about, you know, in essence, how long does she want to be, you know, selling real estate? What's, the, what's her plan? And I could tell that she'd been thinking for a long time that, you know what, I do not want to have to work this hard selling 200 houses anymore. I need to figure out a way to create passive income. I need to figure out a way to create – so you guys understand the whole analogy or your guys are coming to understand the analogy that Julie and I have about having – you know, your your lead generation uh, cannot be all just dependent on, for example, the classic one-spoke wonder person is your center of influence and past client. The example Julie just spoke on was this gal who only used to do over-the-phone prospecting, didn't do anything else. Having one spoke on your bicycle wheel makes for a very fragile wheel. Conceptually, you guys can all get that. But the same is true when you're thinking about your income and you're thinking about essentially um, becoming rich. I mean, I go back to that word, and I know that word in a lot of you, in a lot of your minds is a, a conversation stopper. If you don't like the word 
rich, replace it with freedom, because that's really what they're synonymous in my mind. If you have financial freedom, then you don't, of you know, then you can be free of worry. You can be free of, you can be free to allow yourself to enjoy life at its fullest when you've removed that one financial burden. It was like in Forrest Gump. You guys remember Forrest Gump when um, <clears throat> he had a uh, was it Captain Dan or Lieutenant Dan bought him all that Apple stock, and then uh, Forrest goes, the extent of what he said was. And I guess I'm a gazillionaire now. Then, then his his sort of response to being rich was, "Well, one less thing." <laughs> one less thing. I think I own a fruit company. I think I own a fruit company. I don't know. And I'm a gazillionaire. He's on the cover of Time yeah. magazine or whatever it was. And he was like, um, "Well, one less thing." And that's what essentially what we want you guys to get to is the point where you know, so conceptually, intellectually, open your minds to how to create additional sources of income and when you do that that's going to create essentially freedom again if you don't like the word rich go with freedom because that is in the essence of what you got into business for if i are in front of you right now you know with a bunch of other agents and i were to ask you again why did you get into business this is a different question i asked you earlier you guys would you know waffle around you'd say different things you'd say different things but as we drilled down further on what you said the essence of why all of you got into the business was freedom I don't want you to ever lose contact with that. Don't let anyone take that from you. You can earn freedom as long as you're thinking clearly. Real estate is an amazing business. It's not always easy, for sure. Right now we're in a transitioning market. You're going to have to get your skills on. But overall, there is no better business for just a normal you – know, look, you, can you think of another business where you can get in where you can make this much money? There isn't. There isn't, unless you have opportunities to work in Wall Street and you have you know, gone to some super high-end school, you know, college and you have maybe all these different opportunities that normal people like all of us, and Julie and I included, never have had. The best way for you to create sustainable wealth in this country that we've seen, unless you're planning on taking a company public, is going to be doing what you're doing and then with the profit from what you're doing, then reinvesting that into things that make you income. I just want you to keep your mind clear on that because that is what you're going to be the most proud of having accomplished when you are ready to not necessarily have to work as hard. You are going to be thrilled that you were able to create because you were disciplined enough, because you were successful enough, because you helped enough people. You're going to be thrilled that you produced income enough, net income enough, that you could reinvest it and then create passive income for yourself. Guys, it does not happen on accident. You have to be as intentional about this as you can be, possibly be about anything. Otherwise, it's never going to happen. No one's going to do it for you. You have to be absolutely insane about your focus on accumulating wealth. Hopefully, you guys are clear on that. So listen, if you guys need us for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Stay focused, guys. Don't let anything get you off track. You know, When someone asks you, how is it going in the real estate market, you say it's a great market. It just depends on you know what your motivation is and your time frame is. Who do you know who's thinking about buying or selling real estate? You can have conversations with people in this market where you're going to be able to put yourself immediately in a position of being very helpful to them, very useful to them, and that's the first step in making it so that they can see you as a trusted real estate advisor. So don't shy away from conversations. Don't shy away from being able to be of service to other people. Don't shy away from learning what you know you don't know. And if you don't know what you don't know, then you need to figure that out quick before the market tells you. Does that make sense? So if you guys need me for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Thank you and have a fantastic day.
This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.